by himself, if I were to mention his name, B.B. King, you'd probably think of soul music. Good stuff. And by himself, if I were to mention his name, Larry King, you'd probably think of interviews and that calm, stilling voice. And by himself, if I were to mention Don King, you'd probably think of wild hair. But put all those three kings together and you have Epiphany Sunday. Maybe I should have did that first and then prayed, right? (laughs) Well, we talk about uh, the kings because today is Epiphany Sunday. It's a Sunday when we recognize the journey of three kings, three people, three, I don't know, magicians, astrologers. I don't really know what they were, but we remember their journey to see Christ. Now, journey is an important theme. For us, I think, one, because we know it all so well. Some of us, we just got finished studying during Sunday school uh, a a Bible study entitled Journey. And we talked about how we all face journeys. We've all been on road trips, family vacations. We've all had to make plans to go somewhere and fulfill those plans. We've all been on journeys called careers or raising children, or anything like that. So the idea of journey, I think, resonates with us. And this morning, we think about the journey of the wise men, and I don't quite know what they were or who they were. Matthew just tells us that they were the wise men. Whether there were three of them or more, we don't know either. But really, I don't think that that is the important part of that story. If it were, maybe Matthew would have elaborated a little more about who they were or what they did. The important part, I think, for us, particularly today, is we look at their journey. And there's three journeys that they made that I think we should look at. And the first is you have to realize that it's been months, maybe even years, since Jesus was born. And something happens in the cosmos that makes the light go off for these guys. Something happens in the stars of the heavens where they realize we've got to go look for somebody. So they make their travel plans, they get their convoy together, they strap on their gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they set out. And we don't know anything about this journey, really. We don't know exactly how far they had to go. We don't know exactly which way they had to go. We don't know the weather conditions. We don't know how many souvenirs they bought along the way or where they stopped, but they made this journey. Now, what's significant for us, is, I think, is we can surround it and wrap it in a question, is what makes someone want to go out or feel like they need to go out on a journey like the one they did? What makes someone think, uh-oh, I have got to go? I have got to take time out of my life, who knows how much time, to go, ride on a camel, to go see something I'm not even sure about. See, something I think they had seen, something maybe even they were anticipating, happened, and it spurred them on this journey. 
Now, again, however long they've been traveling, where exactly they've been traveling to, who really knows, but they find themselves in Jerusalem. And I think, in part, that's probably a good place for them to land. Because if they're looking for a king, surely you're going to find it in Jerusalem. If we're looking for the king of the Jews, we'd go where we think the king would be. Because everything that is anything, anyone who is anyone, everything happens in Jerusalem, the city of God. And so they get their way to Jerusalem, and they start asking, Hey, where's this king of the Jews? Well, they may kind of keep asking. They ask, they ask, nobody knows. Then finally the king summons them. Yes, surely the king is going to know what's going on, Right? We're looking for a king. Maybe this king is related to this king. Maybe it's his son. I don't know. But surely the king is going to know something. And they get this secret meeting with the king. And you know what? That king doesn't know anything either. It's really kind of embarrassing if you think about it. you got all the visitors coming. And it would be like somebody visited our church. You're like, hey, where's the bathroom? Um, I think it's over there somewhere. You're supposed to know these kinds of things. You're supposed to know if your king is born and where he's at, but nobody knows anything. But Herod tells him, hey, this is what I think I've heard. So I want you to go find him for me. I mean, I do it myself, but you know, I got kingly things going on. But I want you to go find them for me, and when you do, come back so that then I can go. So they set out on their third journey, part of their second journey, excuse me, that finally gets them to Bethlehem. They see the star in the sky, and they realize, as Matthew tells us, the star stops. Now, we were talking about this in Sunday school. Who knows what that really means? You ever seen a star just stop? I don't know. And for it to stop over one certain place, who knows exactly what that means. I'm the more cynical one, and I think they're just happy that they can stop traveling now. They've seen the star, and what do they do? They do? They rejoice. Now, we like to think that they found Jesus, and they rejoiced at King Jesus, and they had a big party. Maybe I did. Maybe they did, but that's not exactly what Matthew says. The star stopped, and then they rejoiced. And then they went into the house where Jesus was. And after all that traveling, they had finally gotten there. They had finally seen this king that they maybe heard about or at the very least knew had come. And you can imagine then the excitement of that. We have these gifts to bring to this king. This is what we think of this king, this baby, or perhaps this young boy. And you can imagine that when someone comes to visit, you know, you're talking, oh, where'd you guys come from, and how'd you find out about us, and oh, Herod, how'd you get out of that one? Tell us what all went down. What are we to do with these gifts? But then, I mean, tell the truth, you've had people visit before. There's always that moment where, like, we both kind of figure out it's time for us to go. Usually it's kind of awkward, right? It's that awkward silence we always talk about. We're like, eh, well, okay. 
Um, it's been fun. Um, you know, maybe Mary's tired. Joseph's got some things to do. But they finally decide... And Matthew tells us something about their third journey. See, they've made this journey from wherever. They've made the journey to Bethlehem. And now they are prepared for their third journey. Their third journey, which I think probably speaks more to us than anything else. Because Matthew says they've been warned in a dream that they can't trust Herod. Herod's probably going to be out to get them. Herod's going to use their information probably for very bad things. And so Matthew says... They all went to their country with a different road. They all went home. See, and the reason why I think that resonates more with us is because, well, you know where this church is, right? You, you knew the cross and flame out there, and you knew that's the one you usually go to or the one you were invited to. So you kind of knew where to go. Wise men, I don't think they kind of, they didn't know where to go. Um, but they followed something, and they got somewhere. And you come to this place, and, and you know this is the place where we're supposed, exposed to uh, experience Christ. Christ is talked about. Christ is read about. Christ is preached. Christ hopefully is experienced. Maybe in some of the same ways that Christ was experienced for those wise men. And no matter what else happens here, no matter what else you think you've done, no matter how meaningful you think it's been, guess what you're going to do that is the same thing the wise men did. Eventually, you're going to go home. I've always wondered when those wise men went home. Yeah, they took a different route. The way they left was different. And I've always wondered if something about them was different as well. And I guess that's the same question you and I have to ask ourselves, too. If we come to hear about Christ, if we come to hear about God's light in our dark world, does that mean anything to us? Does it change us in any way? Do we go home the same way we first came? Friends, it's my experience my hope and it's my prayer as well, that as we come together, whether it be on a Sunday morning for a church service, whether it be for any kind of worship service, whether it be for some kind of mission work or ministry, that when we encounter Christ, when we go home, there'd be something different about us. Because that's what God promised. God promised light for our darkness. God promised that where our lives are covered in darkness, there would be light. And as you all know, there's a difference between a dark room and a lit room. Friends, there's a difference between a dark life and a lit life as well. So, we need to pray. Because sometimes what happens is, church becomes kind of what we do. We know it's Sunday and we know we're supposed to be somewhere. And so we just kind of do it. And in and of itself, that's not bad, but sometimes that can get in the way, you can imagine, of experiencing Christ. So as God's people, should we pray together and pray that God's light would indeed pierce the darkness of our lives? O oh God of light, we are thankful to you 
Because in Christ, we have found your light. In Christ, we have found your truth. And in Christ, we have every bit of joy and hope that we need for our life here. Forgive us, God, when we have neglected that gift, when we have sought after our own happiness or our own joy. But by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, fill us with new life. Fill us with the joy of the wise men so that we might be convinced in our hearts, in our faith, in our life, that we have seen the light. And as your people, who are forever changed by your work. We pray together. In Jesus' name.